0: My name is Elio Harmon, your host, and we're back again. And If it's it's your first time, welcome. For my returning folks, welcome back. All right, very, very exciting week, a lot to get through, and I have a very exciting guest on the show, Ryan Lunka of Blended Edge, all right? So let's jump right into the news of the week, all right? Big news, right? Uh, from the Columbus Partnership and Alex Fisher. Alex Fisher uh, is departing, stepping down as head of the Columbus Partnership. And this is one of those good stories, right? No scandal here. Alex, in my personal opinion, did a phenomenal job leading uh, the Columbus Partnership. uh, And they were instrumental in keeping the Columbus crew in the city beyond that. Um, hitting some big job targets. I believe the sister organization One Columbus, which is the economic development arm, hit their numbers out of the park with job growth in the city. Of course, I mean, I live here, so I'm partial. I have a podcast called 614 Startup, so I love the city. But in terms of uh, economic development, I think we're one of the best in the nation and we're just getting started. Uh, So Alex, Alex Fisher, kudos to you. It's like a great quarterback, right? Knowing exactly when to, and he's not retiring. This is just for the use of the analogy. Hey, hey, he's stepping down at the perfect time. He's on top. He's hit all his milestones. And hey, he's gonna look at another chapter in his life. Uh, I believe that Kenny McDonald, who uh, uh, heads One Columbus, will be stepping into that role uh, for the time being, um, and um, hey, Kenny has done an outstanding job over at One Columbus, so I'm sure that's going to continue over at the Columbus Partnership. Before I go any further, though, I do have to give a shout out to our presenting sponsors, Rev1 Ventures, all right? Rev1's mission is to help entrepreneurs build great companies. As you navigate the waters of business entrepreneurship, you don't have to go it alone. A strategic partnership with Rev1 connects innovators to the talent, customers, space, and funding you need when you need it. Get started with Rev1's startup studio by visiting Rev1Ventures.com to learn more. Again, the website is Rev1Ventures.com. All right, let's keep this train going. Uh, with our next news story. And that story is the cover story for um, Columbus Business First. And I, I, you know, one of my favorite people in Columbus is on the cover, Stephanie Hightower, CEO over at uh, the Columbus Urban League. But uh, this is the title of the cover story, A Year of Promises, Columbus Urban League's Stephanie Hightower is among those working with area businesses that pledge to boost diversity, equity, and inclusion. Now there are a lot of kind of feelings, emotions, thoughts about this idea of diversity, equity, inclusion. Some people are for it, some people are against it. Some people feel like uh, it's discriminatory in nature against other groups. Listen, guys, Columbus as a city my personal policy, and I think of the policy of, a majo- of the majority of the city is hey, when everybody eats, we all win. Right. If you look at the demographics of the city, I believe African-Americans make up about 35 percent of the city. And just think about, you know, the, the well-being of the entire city. This idea that we can all succeed together, uh, I think, is an idea whose time has come. So. Big shout out to Stephanie Hightower and all of those in the city, the businesses, the political leaders, the civic leaders, the the not-for-profits that are all involved in this work, creating a city where everybody can succeed. So check out this article from Columbus Business First, A Year of Promises, featuring Stephanie Hightower on the cover all right and I'd love to hear your feedback what do you think about all of this right so uh, you of course can email us your questions concerns uh, make comments on our website as well we want you to be engaged in the conversation all right we're gonna keep this thing going we're gonna flip over to social media now I always encourage you guys to engage with us on social media a lot is happening on social media for example on LinkedIn Uh, we posted about some events that we have coming up this is a great place not just to find out information but share information with other professionals in your life that are interested in what's happening in the startup community and guys listen we're inching up to 1500 followers Listen, i'm not in love with the metrics i'm not watching these numbers move they're moving organically because people are having a good time they're being educated and they're staying engaged so join us on linkedin if that's a platform you use. Also on Twitter, 7-11, 7 lucky numbers seven and 11 right now on Twitter. So come on over, join us on Twitter, join the conversation, we're tweeting out all the time, we're getting information out, we're getting engagement on our Twitter channel. Please engage with us there if that's your preferred channel. And in, something's happening on Facebook. I don't talk about Facebook all the time, but we're seeing organic engagement on Facebook. Is that even possible, (laughs) right? Uh, If it's not drama or something about politics, if you're out there just putting out good, positive content, is it possible to get great engagement? And we're seeing that people reached were up 380 percent post engagement were up 720 percent. Page likes were up 67%, so we're growing across the board because the more work we're putting into Facebook, the more engagement we're getting. So if you're a Facebook user, check us out at 614 Startups. And last but not least, we you know we are on Instagram heavy. All right, so join us on Instagram. We're everywhere at 614 Startups. Join the conversation. Hey, check out my guy Maurice Womack. He's our most recent uh, episode. Check that episode out. He's talking about hairdrop, one of our sponsors here, a company that I, I am very excited about. So join the conversation on Instagram. And then listen, if you're a podcast listener, you're not really a video person, you love audio, then you should check us out on Anchor. It's a great place to listen. This is our distribution platform. You can listen on Anchor, or Apple or Spotify, etc. You can also support the podcast, right? We have podcast supporters that are monthly sustaining givers, so you can support the podcast, and you can also send me a message. Love the podcast, hate the podcast, want this guest, don't ever wanna see this guest ever again. Go ahead and send me a message. I'd love to engage with you on Anchor. Finally, we're gonna shift over to events, and we have a couple of events on the website with a couple of friends of the show gray matter media also um, uh, locally is matter news which is an investigative journalism uh, uh, media company Uh, they're not for profit and they're going to be celebrating three years of doing investigative journalism Um, uh, their coverage during um, the 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 subsequent protests after uh, george floyd's unfortunate uh, death uh, was some of the best news coverage i've seen Uh, from a local news team. So they're celebrating three years on Tuesday, July the 20th. Uh, I think they're going to be at 7th Sun uh, Brewing. So check it out on the website. You can get all the details. You can sign up and you can go and hang out with Matter News. Next up, Startup Grind is on fire. Lucas Latour, listen, he's, he's, he's coming into his own as a media guy, as an interviewer. And up next, he has Will Zell of Zell Capital. Excited for Will. Uh, and his new uh, venture, Zell Capital, which is a company that allows small investors, I think the um, minimum investment is $1,000. Again, attend this event and get all the details, but as I understand it, you can invest $1,000 Right, getting in, you no longer have to be an accredited investor through the Zell Capital Fund, but you can participate in the startup world. So, Zell Capital takes the funds from all of these small investors and invest its, uh, invests it into startup companies that have promising futures. So, check out Will Zell's story on Startup Grind, that's going to be on August the 9th, so a couple of weeks away. And then, hey, guess what? If you sign up and you attend, You can get free coffee by my friends over at Entrepreneur's Brew. Stays in my cup, that's how I wake up. I have a subscription to Entrepreneur's Brew so they just send it to my crib every month so I never run out of coffee. In fact, I'm expecting my next delivery either today or tomorrow. So check out that event, make sure you attend. And last but not least, before we get to our guest is our book on the store, The Founder's Manual. Listen, (laughs) this show, is part entertainment, part information, but we definitely want it to be educational. If you're out there building a business, I cannot recommend more that you need to read, right? You need to study, you need to set aside that time. There's no better book, in my personal opinion, than The Founder's Manual to get your library started on success books when it comes to entrepreneurship. It's a guidebook for becoming a a successful entrepreneur. Listen to that promise, right? a guidebook for becoming a successful entrepreneur. So visit the website, go to the store, order the book either for yourself or somebody in your life. All right guys, thank you for engaging with me, hanging with me. Up next is my interview with Ryan Lunka of Blended Edge. Enjoy. All right, my friend. Thank you, sir. That was a long one. 614 Startups Nation, welcome to another episode of the 614 Startups Podcast. My name is Elio Harmon, your host, and nothing gets me fired up like being in the 614 Startups hosting seat. And especially with a guest like this, my man, Ryan Lunka of Blended Edge. Ryan, welcome to the show.
1: Thanks, man. Happy to be here. All right.
0: Awesome, man. Well, we had some conversations. It had to be a couple months ago. I think it was right around the time that you were launching your company, Mm -hmm. Uh, and we had to figure out a way to get you on the show, and circumstances are such that now you're on the show, so I'm excited to talk to you about your journey as a founder, the work that you're doing to help startups, and why it matters. Before we get into it, though, I need to give a shout-out to our sponsors, all right? So hang on. We're going to get started. Let me give a shout-out to a few of my sponsors. All right, we're gonna start by shouting out REV1. REV1's mission is to help entrepreneurs build great companies. As you navigate the waters of business entrepreneurship, you don't have to go it alone. A strategic partnership with REV1 connects innovators to the talent, customers, space, and funding you need when you need it. Get started with REV1's startup studio by visiting www.rev1ventures.com to learn more. Again, that website is www.rev1ventures.com. And also, support comes from Nationwide. Nationwide's mission is to protect people, businesses, and futures with extraordinary care. To help fulfill that mission, Nationwide is looking to invest its $350 million venture capital investment fund in insure techs that will help them create new and exciting products and solutions to meet the needs of their customers. If you're interested in partnering with Nationwide's venture capital team, visit nationwideventures.com to learn more. Again, that website is nationwideventures.com. All right, Ryan, for people out there who don't know you, why don't you start with a bit of your personal background and how you came to be the founder of Blended Edge?
1: Sure thing. So I've been in Colorado like, Pushing 15 years, I can't remember exactly. Uh, moved here after I graduated from Ohio University uh, back in 2008, and uh, for a while I worked in enterprise software implementation uh, for a company that used to be called Cardinal Solutions. I think it has a different name now, um, and and then moved on to a different company where I actually met my co-founder Rob. And uh, in that in those roles, I was helping put uh, put in place big enterprise marketing technology uh, implementations for companies like. AT&T, and Fossil Group, the watch company, and Four Seasons, the the hotel company. Um, Did that for a few years, uh, then had an opportunity to jump to actually a Rev1 startup company called N Channel, um, where I really got to cut my teeth in the startup world. Uh, Had a few different executive roles there, including head of product and eventually chief operating officer. Um, And that's kind of where I really started to get into this whole world of software integration, which I'm sure we'll get more into here. And that's what what we're doing with Blended Edge. Rob and I, uh, who, like I said, we mentioned we had worked together before. Um, I was starting the company here last September or so. He was interested in jumping on board with me, um, and, and uh, just so happened that that was good timing for him as well. So we jumped ship together, and that's what we've been working on.
0: All right, man. You talk about jumping ship. Starting your own thing is it definitely feels like jumping ship. So you you cut your teeth working both um, on the service side, right, serving large customers and then Mm -hmm. you went over to the startup side. So let's talk Mm -hmm. about that transition from uh, uh, servicing large corporates kind of in more of what feels like a a stable kind of deal versus making the jump to the startup world. What were some of the things that got you interested to make you wanna go work for a startup?
1: It's a good question. Um, the, the corporate world, you know, in some regards, you know, big enterprise corporate jobs aren't that different. Customers are customers are customers and, and delivering value to them is the same whether they have 10,000 employees or they have 10. Um, but there's a lot of, uh, I guess, red tape and a lot of process and a lot of everything's defined in, in a larger organization and especially when you're doing consulting and um, services projects for large organizations. Um, the idea of going to the startup was interesting to me because I like building process and establishing all those things from scratch. Um, some people are intimidated by not having that kind of safety net of what you're supposed to do every day, but I actually am more comfortable in that role. Um, so building that stuff out for a company as they were going through some of their growth, uh, stages was uh, very appealing to me. Um, also an opportunity to uh, get into a leadership role as well. Um, those are harder to work your way up to in a really large company. And in a startup, you get the opportunity to kind of stretch your skills as a manager a little faster than you otherwise would. So those are probably the the main driving reasons. Um, it's also been always appealing to me to be kind of part of the Columbus startup scene. I, I know you know this, but it's, uh, it's really been killing it the last 10 years or so. And it's Um, It's something that I've always wanted to be part of. So had the opportunity to join a company that was part of it and now start a company that's gonna be part of it.
0: That's awesome, man. Hey, look, I don't wanna dwell on the past, but I gotta dig into it because there might be people in your shoes, right? They're listening to this podcast because they are thinking about making the transition. So like you said, hey, you know, one of the things that you have to be comfortable with is a lack of structure. Right, this idea that there's mm-hmm. nobody who's going to tell you what to do every day. Yeah, you have a core mission, you're building a product. That's that's kind of your your guardrails, but you still have to be self-motivated. You still have to be self-organized. You still have to keep yourself on task. Um, but let's talk about some of the, the 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 challenges with that, right? So, what were some of the um, experiences that you had that were quite different from what you expected? I know you talked about the benefits, which is this. Uh, kind of environment where you could apply your creativity. But what, was, what were some of the challenges? Not necessarily just about where you worked. It's not about that company specifically. But what were some of the things that you think uh, you found to be challenges?
1: Uh, I think one was just getting used to things being a little messy. And I don't say that to disparage uh, the company we work for or any company. It's just when you're building things while you're driving it, things are messy. And they're going to be messy until you clean them up. Um, you know, and that can be a little bit, uh, intimidating. Sometimes you, you want the product to be perfect so that the customer can have everything they want and you want everybody on the team to know exactly what they're supposed to do. And the reality is that just doesn't happen. And that's a little bit more exaggerated in the early stage of a company when you're putting stuff together. So that was a little bit of a learning curve, just, um, being able to roll with those punches a little bit more so than I had, uh, uh you know, prior. Um, and then, you, you know, in a small company, you'd, I know it's a cliche, but you do have to wear multiple hats. And sometimes they're hats that you didn't intend to wear or want to wear and frankly aren't interested in it uh, in some cases. But you, you kind of just have to do it because it needs to be done and, and you're maybe the best person, if not you know, ultimately ideal, to get it done. Um, so being able to flex into roles that are not necessarily your core skill set was a little uh, challenging to get used to at first. Um, but ultimately, when you come out the other end of it, you look back and you go, oh, wow, well, okay, now I got a really uh, wide range of experiences there that I can apply going forward.
0: That's awesome, man. And it's like life, right? Sometimes the thing that makes something great is also the thing that makes it challenging, that whole idea of having, you know, the flexibility, the freedom to be creative and, and, and kind of uh, evolve your own role or build the role yourself also can have as issues around, you know, quote, unquote, messiness. All right, so what did you see while you were uh, working for the startup that um, you recognize as an opportunity, or maybe you recognize this opportunity early in your career, what made you wanna start your company? And why don't you share a little bit about what Blended Edge does? What's your value proposition?
1: Sure. Uh, well, the short answer here is this is a, a, a sort of an idea that I've been developing for a company I've wanted to start for, a, for quite, a, quite a while, I'll certainly continue to learn over my time at the at, at N Channel, but um, I've been working on this one for a while. So what we do with Blended Edge is we're building a product, and right now we also offer services alongside of what we're building, that helps software companies, so people who actually have their own software product, provide integration to other software on behalf of their customers. Um, so we'll break that down a little bit because I know that's, that gets pretty technically into the weeds pretty quick. Um, back up and think about who the business, uh, a business customer is. Um, the statistic that I've seen that is most powerful, that I, in my opinion, is that the average business user uses eight different pieces of software on a given day. So if you think about that times uh, a company that has thousands of employees or even dozens of employees, any, any company has dozens and hundreds of different software products that different people and different teams in their organization are using every day. The extent to which all of those pieces of software play nice together and act as if they are one big product. Uh, makes everybody at that company's job easier. So if you are trying to sell that company a software product, you have to be able as part of your sales process to explain to that potential customer how you're going to plug into the rest of their technology stack so that you can work seamlessly with all the other ones that they already have in the mix there. Uh, And our product and the services we offer around it help software companies do that better.
0: All right, so that value proposition is what sold me to have you on the show as a guest, right? Because there are a lot of companies in Columbus, outside of Columbus, a lot of folks who are gonna watch this, who are either building a product or thinking about building a product, right? Mm -hmm. And so one of the things that you have to think about is not necessarily just the problem that you're trying to solve for the customer, but also how that customer will potentially integrate that solution into their already hectic and crazy world. So let's back up a little bit to the beginning, right? At Mm -hmm. what point would you recommend that founders start thinking not just about the problem that they intend to solve, but also about how their solution will eventually integrate and are those two things feeding each other as they go through the process?
1: Good question. Uh, I usually start to see people really needing to take this problem seriously. I'll say call it around a series A uh, part of their growth curve might be earlier than that. And whether you call something a seed or an A or whatever, kind of depends on where you're at in the country, but it's when you're starting to actually invest in growing the team. Um, you've kind of demonstrated the MVP works and that you've got some traction in the market. And now you're, you're starting to actually build a sales engine. Because again, if you're a B2B uh, software company, business to business software company, a big part of the sales process is going to be having this conversation with your customers and, and working through it. So when you start hearing on a regular basis from your sales team, hey, we have a request to integrate to this ERP or this CRM or this manufacturing system. And especially when you start to hear the same systems coming up over and over again that potential customers are asking for, um, that's probably about the time this is something to really start to take seriously. It's also uh, another thing to look out for is when your developers or your engineering team starts to try to prioritize things on the roadmap that involve talking, like building integrations to other platforms. Um, and that's kind of where we, we like to get in and, and try to guide the conversation a little differently because you don't have to build all these things from scratch. They're not easy to build. And um, if you start down that path too far, you end up building a lot of technical debt most of the time that's hard to undo. Um, So that usually happens fairly early in a company. And like I said, around that time, just starting to put some serious money into it. But just because that's the ideal time to be solving this problem, uh, it's actually never too late to look at how you're building out and maintaining integrations for your customers and kind of double check that you're doing it right. Because sometimes you do have uh, companies that have, gone down a path that isn't working great for them for a long time and they're looking for options to kind of undo some of those things or, or refresh their strategy. And there's certainly a good opportunity to um, look at these uh, challenges there as well.
0: All right, I wanna zoom in. So we're gonna get a little bit technical in this conversation, but we're gonna start with some definitions, right? So we're gonna get very elementary and then we're gonna zoom back out, right? So the what, and then we're going to back up to the why so let's talk about the what a little bit so what is an integration from a technical standpoint so I have my solution I'm going in to sell it and people are telling me, hey how does your software play nice with these other platforms let's start there by the def what is the definition of an integrated uh, uh, a software product
1: yep so uh Step back to what the business user uh, needs again. Remember, they they have all these different products they need to use and they need them to work seamlessly together. We call that a cross-product experience. Take two software products that were built by two different teams, two different companies. A cross-product experience means to the user of both of those things, it behaves as if it's one. Data is passing gracefully between the two. So the integration is the technical thing that makes that happen. So if you look at any given software product, it should have what's called an API. And an API is the way a computer talks to the software product. So you as the user go onto your screen and you're clicking buttons and you log in and you're doing things on your screen. That's how you interact with the software product. The API is basically the user interface for another computer to talk to the product. So if you take the two software products you want to integrate, they both have APIs. The integration is the program or the set of code or whatever you want to call it that sits in the middle and moves data in and out of the two APIs and basically creates a conversation between the two software products. And again, you design that integration in a way to achieve the goals of that cross product experience the user wants.
0: All right, now let's talk about the languages, right? Because I know integration is impacted, the ability for this information to flow back and forth is impacted by languages, right? Now, is there a shortcut out there to make the, the, the integrations easier? Or are you having to reinvent the wheel every time? And I'm asking this kind of tongue in cheek because I know the large companies out there, in the interest of them not being dislodged by being difficult to integrate with, are probably allowing any and everybody out there Uh, a common language to be able to integrate. So let's talk about the language landscape of getting these Mm -hmm. APIs to work together.
1: Yeah, Um, so the ideal answer is yes, there are some pretty well adopted standards for how APIs should be structured. So the most common one you'll see is a REST API. Um, And basically that's just a set of practices for how you build an API that are pretty universally adopted so that anybody who's never worked with it before can kind of look at it and get their head around what it is. It's not, they're not reinventing the wheel every time. Now it depends on everybody implementing those standards consistently. Um, Most people do a pretty good job. Some people do a terrible job. So that's one of the challenges that we have to help our customers through is dealing with a whole variety of uh, APIs that have been poorly to really, really nicely uh, built. Um, There are also ways to make the, the middle part, the conversation broker between the APIs easier uh the the term most commonly used today is a software class of software called an integration platform as a service and that is basically another SaaS software product that uh, allows you um, usually in a low code or no code editor to wire up the logic between the two apis so you don't have to custom code it all out and have a software developer do the integration somebody who is more of a sort of technical business user can Uh, drag things onto the screen and wire them up together and and build an integration using a a user interface. Um, Those are really, really well adopted in the enterprise. So an enterprise like a nationwide insurance, for instance, might uh, license an integration platform as a service so the people throughout their business can tie all their business systems together. Um, Those products, however, don't necessarily work all that well being sold to the software company who wants to embed that functionality within their product. Some of them are doing it, some of them are doing an okay job with it, but we're going straight for that use case from the day one.
0: Okay, so let's back up now, all right? We went kind of technical. We're gonna give the Mm -hmm. audience a break. We're gonna back up, we're gonna take a break, but then we're gonna talk about the why. So you started this company. I now, as a non-technical person, understand why this matters, why this is important to startups. So you start this company, right? When we come back, we're gonna talk about your experience now as a founder and going out and getting customers, all right? We'll be right back after this break. All right, folks, support for 614 Startups comes from Bernstein Private Wealth Management, Columbus, uh, Columbus's base team of professional advisors. In a world where most investment managers look alike, Bernstein Private Wealth Management has evolved into an organization like no other. Some money managers look to add value after a business is sold, but Bernstein delivers proactive advice right from the start. Whether you're eyeing the exit or you've just launched, Bernstein is fully committed to your financial success. From turnkey retirement plan solutions for your business to how to make the most of a direct listing, To what to know before you IPO, Bernstein serves as their client's most trusted financial advisor, solving complex challenges that extend well beyond wealth management. If you're interested in partnering with Bernstein on your entrepreneurial journey, visit Bernstein.com to learn more. Again, that website is Bernstein.com to learn more. Bernstein fully invested in better outcomes. Support also comes from our friends over at Vaunt. Now, this is a company I'm excited about because I am the chief procrastinator about getting car service. All right. So. All right, guys, let's all be honest with ourselves. How many times have you needed an oil change to clean your car to get a tire rotation and put it off for weeks on end? We're all guilty of it, I'm guilty of it. I have a Mustang in my driveway that hasn't had an oil change in three years, all right? It's been garaged though, I'm not driving it like that. My friends over at Vaunt set out to make delayed car care a thing of the past and created the most convenient and affordable way to care for your car. All you have to do is book your service and desired pickup location, drop your keys with a certified Vaunt driver who picks up your car for you and then your car will be serviced and delivered back to you within three hours. All right, You can have dinner, drinks, or friends while your car gets serviced. From now on, the only thing you have to worry about is where you're going and who you're going with. Look, guys, I'm telling you, this is the future. I'm a big believer in this company. Try it out at VONT, V-O-H-N-T dot Use the code. We actually have a code to get you some uh, cash off here. 614 Startups to get 20% off your first service. Big shout out to the guys at Vaughn. All right, we're back, Ryan, okay? Let's talk about life as a founder, okay? So you, you realize, hey, this is an issue in the market. You start your company, you go out, you start talking to startups. What has been your experience so far?
1: Uh, well, let's see. The first thing is I'm learning to be a sales guy on the fly. That is uh, one of the roles that I've not played in a software company prior to this, and that's been a challenge, um, but we're getting there. Um, you know, it, it's a it's a little bit of an adjustment too to just be in sales mode every single day, uh, listening for an opportunity uh, every single time I have a conversation with a new professional. Maybe it's just somebody I met over beers, but it might be somebody I met in a networking group, or and a lot of this stuff happens online now, like a Slack community or something like that. Um, so that's definitely been a big adjustment for us. Um, I was able to partner up with somebody who has a really good complementary skill set. Um, he's an exceptional technical co-founder. Uh, and I know that's a big challenge that a lot of people, um, face when they want to start a software company. Um, so we've been able to kind of really sprint into the business because we've between the two of us kind of got a lot of the bases covered as far as two people can. Um, so we've been able to, uh, close some business pretty quickly here and we're, we're mostly working on services based work around the open source platform that we're productizing on top of. So we're uh, attempting the um, ever-challenging journey of bootstrapping into a a more subscription-based software company and and so far so good, but it's a lot of work.
0: Okay, so service company right now, find a customer, serve a customer per quoted price. You're Mm -hmm. looking to move to more of a subscription because this requires an ongoing engagement. Why is that a better deal for the customer versus, hey, engaging with you, wants just paying you versus uh, being a subscriber?
1: Good question. It's not a, uh, we don't view it as a binary decision between all services or all product. Um, But ultimately what we want to do more so than do everything for a customer and have them pay us to do it is give them tools to help them do it themselves. Our customer does have an engineering team, They're software companies, they know how to build stuff. We just want to give them tools that optimize their workflow and make them really, really efficient at building integrations instead of them having to figure out how to do it themselves. Our product also, because we're building it on this open source engine that already exists, will just give them the, the, the engine, so to speak, to make it all work. So again, they don't have to learn how to and spend time building all of the what are basically commodity parts of moving data between APIs. Um, we will complement that with services because our expertise is building product integrations, and we want to make sure we can share that and inject that into our customers' teams as well. So, there will always be a hybrid uh, business model here between software subscription and services. But, pushing more of it to the customer allows them to have better cash flow terms. And again, these are software companies that cash flow is a big concern for them, and also empower their teams a little further. Um, kind of involving us at arm's length instead of in the weeds.
0: All right. Now, you know, like you said, you know, as you're talking to startups and and let's just call it Series A just to be safe in Columbus, Ohio. That's probably at the point where they're thinking about this. Right. Their salespeople are out there. They're running into objections, one of which is, hey, do you integrate with X, Y, Z software? Mm-hmm. Um, one of the responses is going to be, hey, I just have a software developer on my team. We're just going to go out and build this. But part of the value proposition for both the services that you provide from an expertise standpoint and the tool that you're ultimately going to uh, be able to, to, to offer as an engine is this issue of time. Let's talk mm-hmm. about time when it comes to Series A, right? When, when you get that objection... That hey, you guys got to go back and figure out this integration. Let's talk about the importance in time about of time when it comes to startups, because I guess at that point that's really where the value proposition kind of ramps up for your company.
1: Absolutely. So when you're when you're looking at integrations and you're the product manager or the head of engineering for a, a growth stage software company, integration to you is a necessary evil. It's not your core product. It's not the value that you want to provide your customer. Your product is. But in order for you to deliver that value, you have to get this integration monkey off your back to be able to, for them to say yes to you. So every dollar and every minute you're spending on integration is a dollar you're not spending building out your product. So you want to make that as smooth and as easy and as quick as possible. And that includes not just building the integration, but then also the ownership of it, babysitting it, maintaining it, making sure you're cleaning up data if it falls on the floor, stuff like that. So our whole goal is to reduce that, both the build and the maintain time for this thing. So you could have your engineering team build, write all the code that talks to a REST API or transforms data or merges data entities from two different systems. All the things that an integration may need to do, that code's already been written a million times by a million different companies. And that's why we provide it as part of our open source engine. Just have the things that are commodity, don't don't spend time building those things. And then, like I said, reduce the time it actually takes you using those tools, using those Legos to build your integrations.
0: All right, let's talk about cybersecurity and vulnerability, right? You're talking about selling enterprise tools. We're talking about integrating in the part of being seamless, right? You know, mm-hmm. I had uh, Matt Wickhouse of Finite State talking about um, actors, malicious actors piggybacking in on vulnerabilities in systems. Is that something that a software company needs to also be thinking about if they're going out and pitching because you're gonna be integrated seamlessly in other companies? And how do you think about that at Blended Edge?
1: Yeah, it's 100% something that's gonna be important for every software company to think of, especially if they sell into the enterprise. At some point, most of them are probably gonna be subject to a SOC 2 audit, which is sort of the piece of paper that says, yes, uh, a third party has checked this out and we're, we're secure. Um, and then there's a whole whole other, you know, there's a NIST framework, there's all these other like ways you can kind of demonstrate that you are a secure software product and you're going to need to show your customer that. Uh, the way you do your integrations is a big part of that, right? So think about you're moving data. Oftentimes you're moving things like customer data, uh, which has personally identifiable information. You may be moving things as secure as like healthcare data if you're a health tech company or insurance company. Um, So you need to make sure when it's on the wire, so to speak, when it's going from database to database in between the APIs, that it's moved in a secure way. So there are a lot of different ways that you can deal with that. One is that we generally recommend people don't store data in any way in between the the two destinations. So it should just like kind of fly on the wire and then be off the wire, off the grid, so to speak, and stay inside of the, the destination it was intended to go to. Uh, you can encrypt the data as well. So when it's moving from point A to point B, it's not just in plain text and that's usually a good practice for sensitive information, social security numbers, even, even addresses and PII. Uh, so there's a lot of different best practices. Um, some of it has to do with just working with our customers, IT teams or infrastructure teams to make sure that we're deployed either into their cloud environment or in our cloud environment securely and safely. Um, and then some of us just recommending good practices for helping to design the integrations themselves.
0: All right. So let's talk about back to your business and, and kind of uh, what you're finding out there in the marketplace. Um, for you, are you looking at um, you know this is pre-subscription, right? As you guys build this thing out, where are you pulling customers from? Where are you pulling interest from? I know you're out, you're networking, you're talking to people, you're 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 out there telling your story. But where are you finding? kind of customers who are coming your way ready to engage, ready to go, and what has been your experience with bootstrapping your company? Um, because it sounds to me like part of the bootstrapping is identifying those customers that you can help with the intention of eventually turning them into subscribers. So what has that process been like for you?
1: Well, I'll, I'll start with the uh, experience of bootstrapping. Um, the biggest challenge with it for me is I'm impatient and I want an engineering team of 10 people building out this product like crazy. And I want a sales team out there hitting the ground, running and pulling people in. And, uh, because somebody's not writing me a check for a million dollars to go do that. Uh, we have to sort of grow organically as our revenue grows. So it's this balancing act between find another customer or find some more customers. And now we've got enough revenue on the forecast that we can make that additional hire, um, I just want it all to happen right now because i'm excited about where we're going and uh we have to be patient when we're bootstrapping but theoretically that pays off longer longer term um the uh, way we're getting customers mostly is either through networking opportunities in the communities that are pretty relevant to what we're doing so there's a a very a few very large communities of um Professionals who are partnership managers or business development managers for software companies, and that tends to be where the integration conversation starts. Um, so that's a really good place for us to get in front of potential customers, and you know, do uh, I've done some webinars for groups like that, um, get involved in their events now that things are actually starting to to happen in person again, and then uh, we are building the foundation for, and it's starting to to be fruitful, but it takes a long time uh, for an inbound content driven approach to pulling in customers as well. So we have a blog, uh, we write blog posts and publish them on there. And our goal is to uh, publish content that helps the engineering teams, the, the product teams, the even the partnership teams at software companies deal with all these challenges. And we've already started to see, we have a couple of posts that rank pretty well in Google for some pretty um, acute problems related to our solution. And we've started to see potential customers coming in just organically through our content.
0: That's amazing, man. So uh, I, I'm always looking for the inside tip, all right? Where should I be looking for the next great business? I mean, you have one already, I get the idea. Anything that's simple to me sounds like a great business, hey, listen, we'll talk about the numbers later, all right? But what you're building seems very interesting to me. to me. But as you're talking to founders out there and you're hearing ideas, or as you're building these APIs and you're integrating with some of these other large companies, what are some products? What are some innovations? What are some things you'd like somebody to build, right? Like, man, if I had XYZ or as I integrated this software with that one, I saw a business opportunity. What are some things that you're seeing out there? Because you're, you're kind of connecting a lot of moving parts in this new world of software that we live in. Anything out there that gets you excited?
1: Yeah, our customers right now, um, partially because of uh, Rob's and my background and expertise, and partially just because that's where we've started to get some traction, are mostly in the retail tech, digital commerce, um, order fulfillment, logistics technology, and kind of that domain. Um, and there is just an absolute ton of innovation happening in that space right now, especially on the kind of back-end fulfillment side of how commerce is done. Um, You know, for a long time, you had big retailers with their big distribution centers. And then all of a sudden you had Amazon who has this like warehouse as a service called Fulfillment by Amazon. And now you're starting to see more and more companies um, really putting out innovative solutions in that sort of how do we make this really easy for merchants of all sizes to fulfill orders in unique ways, uh, offer two-day delivery, even though they're not Amazon, um, be able to ship from stores and all these kinds of things that historically were really, really difficult to do. And there is a ton of opportunity in that that area of, of the business world that there are some cool solutions coming out, but there will continue to be more and more. Um, so anybody who's interested and has experience in the commerce, retail, e-commerce, even like distributors or like business to business commerce, all that stuff is, is fast moving and exciting.
0: Amazing, amazing. We're gonna take a final break and then you get the last word. And then we're gonna wrap this thing up, man. Thank you for a fascinating conversation. We'll come back, I wanna talk about the future of Blended Edge, right? What are your milestones for the next six months to a year? And then we'll get this thing wrapped. All right, final break. And I am excited about shouting out my friends over at Color Coded Labs. Like Ryan says, he possesses a very unique skill set to be able to build products. Color Coded Labs can really help you in developing that skill set. It's time for a better career in tech. Introducing Color Coded Labs, a 16 week boot camp that does more than teach basic code it's a program designed to help you actually get a career in tech at color-coded labs we've removed all the barriers to help you learn the skills you need to start a career you love in weeks not years all designed for people of color by people of color apply now at colorcodedlabs.com all right last but not least our friends over at hairdrop i got a big announcement coming from my friends over at HairDrop. That's how excited I am about this startup. And support comes from HairDrop. Never visit the beauty supply store again. Talking about retail, Ryan, here's a retail, uh, co- a company solving problems in retail. Order your beauty products from the HairDrop app and have them delivered in an hour or less. HairDrop is like DoorDash for beauty products. Get your hair care, grooming tools, hair extensions and more when you need them to ensure you look and feel your best at all times. Available for download from both the Apple and Google Play stores, get a beauty supply store in your pocket by visiting hairdrop.app and have your beauty delivered today. All right, Ryan, you get the final word. What are some milestones for the company? What are some things that you're excited about?
1: Yeah. We have a uh, a revenue goal uh, for the year that we are on track to hit. And uh, assuming we stay on track with that, it should allow us to um, bring on what will be our second full-time hire. So we're we're in that mode. Now we're finally transitioning from using subcontractors to help out with work and projects to actually full-time hires. Um, We were really excited to make our first full-time engineer hire here very, very recently. She's awesome. And we're excited to get her kind of ramped up on the team here. We would like to have at least one, ideally a couple people um, sort of, we'll say beta testing or early adopter testing the product that we are building. We have the, uh, the, the engine of it assembled and we're ready to deploy that for customers. And then we're pretty close on some of the um, sort of experience level uh, features that we're building to, to help accelerate that integration workflow for customers. So hopefully as soon as late summer, early fall, we'll get somebody or a few somebody signed up on a, sort of an early adopter uh, path there. And that's really gonna accelerate our, our uh, product direction pretty significantly. Um, we're also exploring a couple of other, um, interesting opportunities that, um, I don't want to talk too much about until we actually get a more, a little bit more traction on it, but they could be some pretty, pretty large projects that would, um, help fund the business for quite a while without, uh, giving away any equity. So, um, hopefully we should hear back about one of those pretty soon. And, uh, that would be a, a huge game changer for us.
0: Yeah, man uh talk about save the children save the equity i like that i like that all right protect that equity as long as you can before you go out and raise money all right ryan uh fascinating conversation thank you so much for coming on the show a couple of takeaways man hey go to an expert when you need it it's going to save you time which is especially critical when you're in the startup world and looking to scale and then also exercise patience bootstrapping or otherwise take your time Build it right, don't be in a hurry to grow up. All right, folks, that's a wrap. You can find this in all our episodes on our website, 614startups.com, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor, YouTube, where you're probably watching this video, and all your favorite podcasting platforms. Don't forget to subscribe and write a review. Algorithms love subscriptions and writing reviews, so if you enjoy the show, do that for us. If you would like updates sent to your inbox, which I'm sure you do, you can sign up for our weekly newsletter on the website. Oh, we have a new website coming. It's going to be awesome. To engage in the 614 Startups community, follow us on LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, et cetera, et cetera, at 614 Startups. That's our handle, at 614 Startups on all platforms, to join the conversation. For sponsorship opportunities and all our great friends who sponsor us, just email me. Let's chat about it, info at 614startups.com.
1: Until next time, peace.